You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up, we are going to preview this weekend's game between the Eagles and the struggling Chicago Bears. The Eagles going to Chicago, traveling to the Midwest to take on a Bears team that has struggled so far this year. And I'm going to talk to EJ Snyder. He is a contributor for the SB Nation bear site, Windy City Gridiron. We're going to break this game down here on Sunday afternoon and uh, talk about uh, some of the ways in which the Bears might be able to give the Eagles a tough time on Sunday. We're going to talk a lot about Justin Fields, I think, here in the next few minutes because uh, Fields is a very interesting player. He has shown some flashes over these last couple of months since they've decided to allow him to run the football a little bit more. But clearly this is a, Bear, a Bears team that is rebuilding, that is still in transition, and really should not pose much of a threat to the Eagles on Sunday. But could it also be a trap game for the Birds as they might be looking ahead to that Christmas Eve game against Dallas, which probably in a lot of ways will decide whether the Eagles can hold on to that number one seed in the NFC. Of course, uh, they're still very much in control of their own destiny with a magic number of two to win that number one seed. But in the meantime, make sure you check out bleedinggreennation.com each and every day leading up to this game for all the latest news, information, and rumors about your Philadelphia Eagles. Well, this Sunday afternoon, the Eagles have a matchup against the Chicago Bears that I know a lot of you don't really think it's going to be much of a contest. Uh, the Bears at 3-10 and 10 coming into this game have struggled this year. The Eagles, of course, uh, have been playing their best football of the season with a 12-1 and one record, obviously, and two very convincing wins against the Titans and Giants the last couple of weeks. But uh, while everyone is, I'm sure, looking forward to the Christmas Eve game against the Cowboys, there is this game against the Bears that... The Eagles players can't be looking past, even if Eagles fans might be. And so joining us to talk about what we might expect from the Bears on Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field is EJ Snyder. EJ is a writer and contributor to Windy City Gridiron, the SB Nation Bears site, and he's also the co-creator of the Bootleg Football Podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Football EJ. EJ, welcome to Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, John. I'm excited to talk about it, even if it might not be the best game for the Bears. Yeah, you know, it just it's not it's not one of the marquee matchups on Sunday afternoon in terms of the NFL, but obviously uh, an important one for the Eagles as uh, as they continue to try and hold on to that number one seed. And uh, I know the Bears are looking towards next year. Before we jump into the specifics about the game, uh, real quick, tell people about the bootleg football podcast. What's what, what do you guys do there? Yeah, bootleg football was created by Brett Coleman and I about two and a half years ago. We we go through the whole league every week. We've got a podcast that comes out on the bootleg football podcast 
YouTube channel, and we also live stream the Thursday night games. Okay, so and you've got a good one tonight. You've got the 49ers and the Seahawks in a game that could very well determine NFC West. I think we'll get a real good look at Brock Purdy tonight and uh, see whether or not teams have been able to start to game plan for him a little bit and uh, if he can continue to play the way he has. He's looked really good, but uh, that should be an interesting one for those of us interested in the NFC playoff picture. Um, but let's look ahead to this game against the Bears on Sunday afternoon. And there are a lot of uh, players on the Bears that uh, the Eagles couldn't Eagles fans couldn't pick out of a lineup. Um, there are not a lot of household names on this three and ten team. Uh, the one name that we all do know is the quarterback, Justin Fields, uh, the best rushing quarterback in the NFL. The Eagles have a good one in Jalen Hurts, but Justin Fields leads all quarterbacks in uh, in rushing, and he holds the single game record for rushing uh, yards in a game, which he did earlier this year. Um, and there's, I know there's some other, there's some other uh, folks on, on at wide receiver. You've got Chase Claypool, who's a name, um, but generally speaking, PFF has, uh, I think, graded the Bears 31st overall in DVOA uh, so far this season. So, on paper, this is this is a mismatch between between two teams going in very different directions. Before we get into specific matchups and and specific specific positions, what would you say has been the main Achilles' heel for Chicago so far here in 2022? Yeah, <laughs> it's not really what happened in 2022. It's what happened in 2021 and what Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy did on the way out in terms of contract and roster construction. They didn't leave a very full cupboard. And when Ryan Poles came in as the new GM, he had his work cut out for him. What he really had to do was cut all the dead wood, get rid of all the dead money. And that left this year as a work in progress. And hopefully you can find some diamonds in the rough while you burn off, you know, 50 to 60 million dollars worth of dead cap looking at next year when you're going to have 100 million. So this year is a collection of guys. They're trying to figure out who fits, who works going forward. But they've done nothing but offload big names. Roquan Smith is in Baltimore and, you know, Robert Quinn, of course, is an eagle now. So this has been about getting rid of the folks that had big contracts that weren't going to contribute when Justin Fields really hits his prime next year and the year after that and trying to patch together something in the interim probably getting a high draft pick. Um, it starts with the offensive line, just like it does with the Eagles, except the Eagles offensive line is loaded and the Bears is a work in progress. Well, Justin Fields, I know so far this year has, he got off to a slow start, but in his last few games, it really seems like he has felt more free or been given more freedom to run the football. Uh, had some long touchdown runs uh, as of late. I think he had a, what do you have a 61 yard touchdown run against the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago, a uh, 67 yard touchdown run against the Lions. He had a 55 yard touchdown run against the Packers recently. So, I mean, this is a guy who can break off big, big plays. Is it within the offense? Are these, is he, is he getting a lot of these rushing yards as part of a design or is this all kind of freelancing for Justin Fields right now? It is now, which is the really good news. So the Bears had a mini buy after a Thursday game um, right before Justin's hot streak really started. And what happened during that time is the entire team and all the coaches came together and said, OK, what do we really need to do? And a lot of credit goes to Luke Getze, who's the offensive coordinator, came over from Green Bay in the offseason and said, hey, what we're trying to do with you is not working. So what should we do? And really took a lot of pages out of the Baltimore playbook and what they do with Lamar there and said, we need to put some design runs in here, not just have you, like you said, scramble when the need arises. And at that point, 
he started going off. He started being able to use those physical gifts on purpose multiple times a game. Now, damage has has added up a little bit, but you've also seen the incredible results. I think the NFL record for 50 plus yard touchdown runs by a quarterback was three in a career. And mm-hmm. Justin had that inside of a month. So wow. that's the kind of guy you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. He had three 50 plus yard touchdown runs inside of a month and nobody else has done it in their entire career playing quarterback. So it is by design. He is really the star of the show. There isn't a lot behind him. Uh, the trade for Chase Claypool gave them a little bit more firepower in the wide receiver room, which they really needed. But look, the other starters are Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis, guys that haven't exactly, you know, turn the lights on and other stops around the league. They have a decent yeah. tight end in Cole Komet, uh, and they have very good running backs in David Montgomery and uh, Khalil Herbert, who unfortunately is on IR, but the, the running back room is decent. There's just not enough fireworks here to keep up with a team like the Eagles. So if you're the Eagles defensive line and they did this very well against uh, Daniel Jones last week against the Giants, I would, I would imagine you can't pin your ears back if you're an edge rusher and and try and fly around to the outside. Like you've got to be very disciplined in your rushing lanes in order to to keep Justin in front of you, uh, to keep him from sprinting outside the pocket uh, or taking right off down the middle as you as you blow past him on the outside. So, um, how do you see the Eagles' defense? What what would what's the best way to kind of clog him up so that he doesn't break those long runs? It's a lot like their plan for Daniel Jones, but Justin Fields is a better player than Daniel Jones. So he's one of (laughs) those guys that even though you may do everything right, and the Eagles defensive line has been doing a lot right this year, and they did a lot right against Daniel Jones. Brian Dable has the same kind of plan for him, which is to use that rushing ability on purpose. But Justin Fields has got a little bit more to him. He's a little bit bigger than Daniel Jones, and he's a lot faster when he opens it up. He doesn't look like it. He's deceptively fast on the field, but he just pulls away from everybody, including defensive backs. So you can do everything right. Leave a small crack. He can run through that crack. He can run somebody over because of his size, and he's incredibly elusive. So it's one of those things where the defense goes back to the sideline, looks Mm -hmm. at the D.C. and says, what do you want, man? Did you see what he did? Yeah. Well, I mean, but you've got... It's I mean, I imagine it's more it's difficult for a quarterback to be able to have that kind of success when you really haven't had a lot of success throwing the football. Um, 13 touchdowns against 10 interceptions. The Bears run the ball 58 and a half percent of the time, which is the most in the NFL. It's it's a wild statistic, given that they're three and 10 and, and don't often lead late in the game to kind of pile these these rushing stats up. You mentioned that they've had a very good running back room and David Montgomery is certainly a guy. Um, that can run the football. But the Eagles, of course, last two weeks against Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley have really shut down the run game. Uh, a big weakness for them uh, over the first nine, ten weeks of the season was the run defense, and that's really kind of stabilized with Linval Joseph and Jordan Davis and Ndamukong Sue back in there now. And you have these wide receivers. By the way, Equinemius St. Brown might be the best name in football. It's just a tremendous, tremendous name. Um, but he only has 17 catches this year. Um, Dane, like Dane Pettis, you just, Dante Pettis, you just mentioned 14 catches, Clay's Chaypool, 12 catches in five games. We saw Chase Claypool earlier in the season when he was with Pittsburgh, he threw a touchdown pass against the Eagles earlier in the year, but you have in Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox, 
these guys shut down some of the best receivers in football on a week in week out basis. I just wonder how many resources the Eagles are going to need to worry about with the Chicago passing game and uh, how much they're going to be able to load up heavy boxes to keep Justin Fields from doing what he's done. These big runs over the last few weeks. They'll do that until he hits something deep. So really the Eagles defensive backs who are incredibly talented, their big job this week is be deeper than the deepest, right? Don't let one of those guys, because all three of those guys can run Claypool, St. Brown and Pettis. Pettis especially is a speedster. Um, all three of those guys can get deep, but again, you've got a very talented defensive backfield in Philadelphia. They just need to make sure that they don't get lazy because if they do, Justin has a cannon. He doesn't get to use it very much, but he can absolutely throw a 60-yard moon ball over their heads. And it might be the only one they get all game, but that would be it. Other than that, you're right. It's going to be sit on top of those routes, force everything sort of underneath. The Bears don't have enough offensive efficiency. You mentioned their DVOA number to really convert those 12 and 13 play drives where they just have to, you know, matriculate the football down the field and make all those plays. That's not their style of offense. It's going to be the Justin show all day long. And yeah, if they sneak somebody deep, he can hit them, but it'll probably be once other than that, probably going to be a long day for the Chicago offense. Let's talk about the offensive line a little bit. Uh, I think um, it lines up thus like this. We have Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, uh, Sam Mustafer, Tevin Jenkins, Riley Reif. Um, I don't even know if I got all their names right. Uh, but <laughs> this was they actually been uh, a little bit better, I think, a unit than they were expecting at the start of the year. I mean, they've only given up 40, I mean, 42 sacks is not a little bit, but <laughs> You know, it's it's not as bad as I think people at the beginning of the year were expecting. I mean, the Eagles defensive line has been piling up sacks. And even though Fields can get loose, you know, he has been sacked 42 times. So uh, that's an improvement from 58 sacks a year ago, slightly more sacks per game than they've given up this year. But uh, do you see this as a game where the Eagles are going to get five, six sacks on this offensive line? And and can they open up running lanes against the Eagles defense? They will open up a few running lanes. It won't be many. With the players you mentioned that have been added to the Eagles roster or have come back from injury, they really have stabilized that rush defense, which was a thing for them earlier in the year, and, and teams were exploiting it. Still wasn't, still wasn't helping get victories, but it was happening. This offensive line for the Bears has finally stabilized a little bit. Braxton Jones, the rookie, is playing pretty well at left tackle, and they're happy to let him sit there and develop Cody Whitehair struggled a little bit with injury, but he's probably been the most solid offensive lineman for the Bears this year. Sam Mustafer's had his struggles at center. They've been pretty well documented. He is what it is. He struggles with power. So again, those the big three you mentioned will probably have a pretty good day against him. Tevin Jenkins is learning into the role at guard. He's a very powerful guy. He's got to play with a little bit more control, but they're happy to see him developing after being such a high draft pick. And then right tackle was a bit of a revolving door. They started and gave Larry Borum, who was a rookie last year, a lot of run at the beginning of the year. He just sort of couldn't hold it down. When Riley Reif got healthy, he came in. He's sort of stabilized that position and given them a starting five that's starting to work together. So, is it going to be a big sack day? I would say if anybody besides Justin Fields is playing quarterback, yeah, you're looking at five or six sacks um, given the Eagles defensive line and the Bears offensive line. But Justin has a knack of getting out of probably two of those. So you might see three or four sacks, but I don't think you'll see five or six. 
how so if you're looking at you're talking about like the Bears' offensive system, their their offensive game plan. You mentioned that they're that that they're run heavy, and and that's kind of what they're looking to do, and they're trying to allow Justin Fields to run the football uh, a little bit more. Is there an area in this defense that you think the Bears match up well with on offense? Is there is there any way you can anything to exploit as far as some of the things that the Bears do well and the Eagles defense maybe doesn't do well? Knowing the Eagles have a little bit of a weakness at safety at the moment, playing a they're going to be Anthony Harris. They're somebody they just uh, they had earlier in the season that they just re-signed uh, from the uh, Denver Broncos or Kayvon Wallace, a guy who has struggled in the passing game. Yeah, not many is the answer. You're going to have to get creative. Luke Getze is going to have to do a good job of manipulating matchups with pre-snap motion. The Bears do some of that, probably not enough, to try and get a safety one-on-one with one of those tall, fast, wide receivers and run him inside down the numbers. Because if you're running outside, you're running into those defensive backs, and they're very good at containing those kind of routes. Cole Komet's not really a speed threat. He will get his catches. Um, Again, little ones down the seam, little out routes, things that move the chains, but not big chunk plays. And other than that, it's going to be about lining up big wide receivers on smaller defensive backs and trying to get a good block on the edge to get David Montgomery free. Those are their best hopes. That's not a lot to go into a game with, you know, that being the sort of three things you have in your offensive bag, trying to be a team that's playing as well as the Eagles are right now. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll flip the script and uh, we'll talk about uh, the Eagles offense against the Bears defense and get your thoughts on Jalen Hurts. We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy. Uh, So, EJ, taking a look at uh, what the Bears' defense is going to do against this Eagles offense, on paper, it it looks like a matchup nightmare for Chicago. The the Eagles, and it really is the Eagles' offense, has been a nightmare for pretty much everyone over these last few weeks and, and for most of the season. We've seen them run the ball with ridiculous efficiency, both with the running backs and with the quarterback. And we've seen Jalen Hurts as a passer these last few last few weeks uh, continue to get better, to continue to do different things. Uh, last week, dealing with, with blitzers and uh, throwing with anticipation from the pocket. Uh, he's just been incredibly accurate all season long, and he's got these receivers everywhere that he can throw to. Miles Sanders runs for 140 yards. I mean, if you're a Bears defensive coordinator, 
I don't know. I don't know what you choose to take away. I ask people this every week. If you're the defensive coordinator, what do you take away from the Eagles? Like, what is the one thing you want to stop them from doing on Sunday afternoon? Is there is there possibly one thing that you would focus in on if you were the defensive coordinator and say, okay, we we've got to stop this and we can't let this be the thing that beats us this week? Unfortunately, the Eagles are too good for that. And they've shown multiple ways that they can have success, especially lately when they've really turned on the running game. Miles Sanders has that huge game and sort of breaks out and says, yeah, me too. I want to join in the party. I would probably put Jalen Johnson, who's the Bears best outside cornerback on A.J. Brown and say, do the best you can. Uh, Jalen Johnson, a very talented player and matches up physically decently with A.J. Brown, which a lot of cornerbacks don't do. But. Look, after that, it's Devonta Smith. It's, you know, we talked about Miles Sanders. They've got a great tight end as well. Uh, and even if you plug all of that up, Jalen Hurts can take off for 12 or 14, pick up the easy first down and just keep this machine going. And that's what the Eagles offense is right now is just a machine. If you take away one thing, the next thing pops up. If you take away that thing, there's two more behind it. So, Again, probably going to be a very long day for the Bears defense because at all levels, if you really go through the levels of the defense, defensive line, they don't match up with the offensive line to start with. And then you got to try and tackle a guy like Miles Sanders at the second level. You're going to see a lot of Jack Sanborn. Jack Sanborn is the you know UDFA from Wisconsin that's really come in and played middle with Roquan gone. He's done great work, but the reason he's having to do so much work is because he's the one guy running around making a ton of tackles every week as there's all these holes leaking in front of him from the defensive line. And then the secondary, they're a little bit banged up. You're not going to see Eddie Jackson, so you're going to see DeAndre Houston Carson. Do I like him as a pass matchup with really any of the Eagles wide receivers? The answer is no. Um, mm-hmm. Jaquan Brisker, the rookies, played very, very well. And Kyler Gordon's coming back to health, so we'll see him playing either the nickel slaughter outside. Um, but again, these are rookies against A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. Um, you know, you can go down the Eagles death chart and find other receivers that can beat them as well. So if you're asking about the one thing that they can stop, it's maybe Jalen Johnson on one of those wide receivers. And then the rest is just going to be hang on. And as we record this on a Thursday afternoon, there's it's still not for certain whether or not the Eagles are going to get tight end Dallas Goddard back. Incredibly, they haven't missed him these last couple of weeks, but uh, getting him back into the fold would be yet another thing for the Bears to have to take away. And the Bears right now, according to DVOA, 31st against the pass, 29th against the run. So just 16 sacks, which is uh, least in the NFL right now. Um, we, we did give you guys a couple of draft picks for Robert Quinn, uh, which uh, hasn't worked out for, for us. So um, hopefully those will help you guys in the draft this year. And, you know, who knows, maybe we'll get something out of Quinn here late in the season, but, uh, Eagles fans aren't counting on it, but I mean, we can't really, you don't want to hear the rich complain, you know? So it's, it's no, funny how that happens. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, let me get your take on Jalen hurts right now. Is he the MVP of the league? If not, he's very close. He has to be in the discussion. He is a guy that's fascinating. So I'm I'm a draft analyst by trade. That's how I got into this business. And watching Jalen Hurts' journey in college, uh, we got to see him up close at the 2020 Senior Bowl. Um, and one of the things we said about him at that point was he is a learner. 
he gets better every year. He's done it every year in college. A lot of people saw him as a sort of flashy freshman at Alabama, made up their minds about him and then say, oh, I know who he is. But if you looked at, you know, his work early at Alabama and his work late at Oklahoma, it was very different. It was slow and steady progress in a lot of areas. And a lot of people shorted him on things because they just remembered them from his Alabama tenure. Getting into the league, he's done the same thing. As a rookie, people said, well, he can't do this. Well, now he can. They said, well, he can do that, but he can't do this. Guess what? He does that too. If you're talking about progressions, if you're talking about deep ball outside the numbers, if you're talking about, again, putting together drives against, you know, primarily cover two, two high systems where you just have to make 10 or 11 plays to get it down the field. Jalen Hurts is plenty comfortable. And of course, if all else fails, he can take off and get 12 to 15 yards or a little bit more if you don't have somebody capable on him. So there are very few quarterbacks in the league right now who are using their tools, uh, either their own physical tools or the tools that have been assembled around them in an offense, as well as Jalen Hurts. And uh, it's a lot of, you know, rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing when you have when you switch out A.J. Brown um, for Jalen Rager. It's really hard. Well, it's not hard to quantify. Pile up the yardage and the touchdowns. That's the difference between between these two. It's been it has it has manifested itself all over the field. And um, this Eagles coaching staff, I think, deserves a lot of credit to E.J. that, um, you know, the Colts looked like they were keying in on some trends the offense was allowing to take place. And they, they've really changed it up. You know, they ran a lot of pistol this uh, in this past game, which they uh, ran more of that than they have in recent games. Uh, they, they they changed up their running game a little bit, started uh, running more to the outside than with the simple running game, run you know, runs up the middle. And it just seems as though this this fil- this Eagles offense can do what they want on a, on a given week, depending on what the defense is pre- pre- presenting them. Is this the best team in the NFL? The Philadelphia Eagles. Are, are they, I know you've got the bills, you've got the chiefs. And I know even though the 49ers are on a third string quarterback, I think they would pose a big problem to the Eagles if we played them in the playoffs, but it, is the, is the, are the Eagles the best team in the NFL in your view? I think they are. And a lot of that goes, well, it's the or, entire organization, but the, the roster, and all the moves that Howie has made to build that roster are incredibly impressive. Like he just doesn't take his foot off the gas middle of the season. He's like, "Hmm, run defense is a problem. I'll go sign two defensive tackles off the street because why not? You know, I'll trade for Robert (laughs) Quinn. Let's see what I can get out of him. And he's done that in every area. You're talking about what he's on wide receiver. He brought both cornerbacks in, in the off season, like, He has just gone for broke, and the roster shows it. It's one of the deepest rosters, offense and defense, in the NFL. And the coaching staff deserves a ton of credit for pulling the right levers at the same time. Sirianni's done a good job of sort of stabilizing the ship after a rocky start last year. Shane Steichen, like you said, has shifted things very impressively. As impressed as I am with Luke Getze and his ability to shift the offense midseason and say, hey, what can I do for the Bears? Shane Steichen's done that a little bit for the Eagles, and all good teams need to do that because defenses will come up with an answer, and offenses have to be able to sort of go to their left hand, if you want to use a boxing analogy. They need to be able to have that second hit, and Shane's done that incredibly well. He's done a bang up job. He's probably going to get an interview or two in the offseason. So right now, when you combine sort of front office coaching staff and then this incredibly deep roster, it's formidable. All right, EJ. So I think I can 
based on what you've been saying during the course of, of our chat together, f- get a sense of where it is you're going in terms of uh, what will happen on Sunday afternoon. But uh, lay out for me how you see things uh, shaking out uh, between the Eagles and the Bears uh, on Sunday. I would say the Eagles probably score in the low 30s. I'd be surprised if they didn't because they just have, again, too many weapons to stop. And the Bears are not even necessarily fundamentally sound on defense. So it should not be a hard day for the Eagles. As far as what the Bears are going to be able to do against one of the best defenses in the NFL, I'd say 14 to 16 points would be a a pretty good day for them. Look, we all know the NFL can be any given Sunday, block, punt, recovered for a touchdown, that kind of stuff. But if this was just played straight up sort of on a neutral field, which it isn't, um, I'd say Eagles like 34, Bears like 14. Yeah, that's kind of that's almost the exact numbers that I've been thinking about in my head uh, for this one, too. And even if it is uh, close for a half or or there's a little bit of a stumble or something along the lines, it just feels like the Eagles can outlast them and um, and, and and hold them at bay for for however long they need to. But uh, Justin Fields is a dangerous player, and it's always scary going up against a dangerous player. Uh, like Justin Fields, who is still trying to make a name for himself. And we've seen teams with lesser talent give good teams a a run for their money here as of late. And the Eagles certainly uh, don't want to be caught looking ahead to Dallas. Folks, make sure that you're checking out everything that EJ is doing. Uh, Again, follow him on Twitter at EJ Football. EJ, thanks for coming on on Eye on the Enemy, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's been great fun. All right, well then, let me give you my prediction on this game. I know that there is a lot of conversation about this being a letdown game. There is some worry about Jalen Hurts. I was on uh, the Birds 365 show on Jacob Media with Jody McDonald and John McMullen this week. Check that out if you if you get a chance. We talked a lot about this game. Uh, and a lot of the conversation was centering around whether or not the Eagles would fall victim to looking ahead to the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Eagles teams in the past, I think, would have fallen victim to this. I do believe in trap games. I think trap games are a real thing. Uh, I think teams can look ahead. I would say that I think if the Eagles have a potential trap game in front of them against the Bears on Sunday, then so do the Dallas Cowboys, who are also, I'm sure, looking ahead to this Eagles game on Christmas Eve. But they've got to go into Jacksonville and take on a Jaguars team that's playing very good football right now. You've got Trevor Lawrence playing at a very high level right now under Doug Peterson, and Doug seems to have this team trending in the right direction. Uh, they're they're moving uh, v- very positively in terms of, of offense, and um, they're going to have uh, another high draft pick coming up this year. So uh, Jacksonville moving ahead. I think they're a little behind where I thought. I thought Doug Peterson might have a little bit more of an immediate impact on Jacksonville, but they're playing very well, and I think they're going to give the Cowboys a rough game. I'm actually picking the Jaguars to beat the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. I, I, think, I think Dallas is going to go into Jacksonville and lose to Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. And that sets up a Christmas Eve game in which, unless the Eagles lose on Sunday, uh, the Eagles essentially just need to win one of their last three games. They could lose the Cowboys game, lose another game, and still take the NFC's uh, top spot um, if they if, if they win and Dallas loses on Sunday afternoon. I don't know that I want to have that much meaningless football ahead of them. I think it, it behooves the Eagles to be playing competitive football. But I also... I very badly want this team to finish 16-1 and because I do believe if the Eagles win on Sunday and they beat the Cowboys the next two weeks that this team should go 16-1. and Only one other team in NFL history 
the 2007 Patriots have won, won 16 regular season games. And of course, the Patriots went undefeated that year in a 16-game season. I hate 17-game season. It's so stupid. But there are very, very few teams in NFL history that have finished a regular season with just one loss. There have been very few teams that have finished with two losses, but even more so with just one loss. Those teams that go, historically, that went 15-1 and one and won the Super Bowl are generally considered the legendary teams. The Philadelphia Eagles could be one of those legendary teams. If they go 16-1 and one and do what we think they're going to do in the playoffs— they will cement themselves as maybe one of the 10 best teams in NFL history. If you look down the list of top 10 teams in NFL history, the way the Eagles have dominated offensively, the way the defense is really coming on, depending on what they do, I mean, there's still a lot of things that need to happen, right? You lose in the divisional round, even if you go 16-1, and one, you cannot be considered one of the most dominant teams in NFL history. But the Eagles, the way they have played and the way they have set things up now for the rest of this season, they have that potential, that when all is said and done here at the end of 2022, and it'll actually be the end of January 2023, we'll look back on this team and say, this was one of the 10 best teams in NFL history. Think about how cool that would be to have one of those teams like the 91 Commanders or those, those early 90s Cowboys teams, um, the 84 49ers, the 85 Chicago Bears, all of those different teams that went 15-1 and one and won a Super Bowl. Frankly, the 2017 Eagles could have been one of those teams if they didn't give away that last game of the season. They could have gone 14-2, and beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Maybe you consider that team one of the best of all time. Maybe not top 10, but it's top 20. But if this team goes 16-1 and and blows through the postseason, or even just wins the Super Bowl, I don't care if every game's close. They, they win the Super Bowl, they go down as a top 10 team of all time. Not just the greatest Eagles team of all time, one of the 10 best football teams of all time. Imagine that your Philadelphia Eagles could do that. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'm rooting for a way for that to happen. Of course, winning the Super Bowl is the most important thing. So they have to do whatever they need to do to stay healthy entering the playoffs to give themselves the best shot at winning the Super Bowl. But I do think that narrative would be really, really cool, and that's what I'm rooting for. But they got to take care of business on Sunday afternoon against Chicago first. And I just... The Commanders, when they beat the Eagles and they rolled into Philadelphia with that game plan, the Commanders had just enough talent to pull that off. They had just enough talent, especially defensively, to pull that off. The Eagles still should have won that game. They were a Quez Watkins fumble at the end of that game away. I mean, Quez Watkins makes that catch and goes down to the ground. The Eagles are scoring a touchdown, and I don't think the Commanders are scoring a go-ahead touchdown in response to that in the fourth quarter. I think the Eagles win that game if Quez doesn't fumble that football on the second-to-last drive of the game for them. So the Bears don't have the same amount of talent as the Commanders do. They have one player you really need to be careful of, and that's Justin Fields. And if the Eagles can focus in and zero in on stopping him on the ground, I don't think he can do enough passing the football, and I don't think they're creative enough offensively to fool the Eagles' defense into doing different things. The Eagles are starting to get healthier. The safety position's a little concerning. Again, we'll see what they do with Anthony Harris or Kayvon Wallace at safety, but the rest of the defense, the defensive line is making worries about the safety position moot with the way they're getting to the quarterback. They may have to be a little more disciplined this week. They can't pin their ears back the way they have the last couple of weeks to go after the quarterback. But they handled Daniel Jones last week, who is a good running quarterback, not to the level of Justin Fields, but 
Uh, they did figure out a way to slow Daniel Jones on the ground. And so I think they can do the same thing to Justin Fields. He might finish with 70 to 90 yards, but I don't think he's going to finish with more than 130 passing yards. And I don't think the rest of the running game is going to amount to anything. So I think I think this is a game the Eagles will win pretty easily, even if they don't look good doing it. I, I think they won't be able to help themselves but to win this game easily. So I'll say the, the, uh, the final score of this thing is Eagles 34, Chicago 13. A fairly easy win that will be comfortable for Eagles fans. Even, even if it doesn't look as good as the last two games, they may have a little trouble getting up for this Bears team, but Chicago's just too weak. They don't have enough talent. They're not well coached. Uh, I think if you're looking for a Shane Steichen landing spot next year as a head coach, you could very well be watching the team this week that he goes to if they decide to move on from Eberflus after one season. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Remember to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for all the latest Eagles news leading you up to this game on Sunday afternoon. And please check out all of our other fine podcasts at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well. Leave a rating and a review, and uh, I'll read your review and any question you might have for Eye on the Enemy uh, right here on this very podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.